passages I would like to look at this morning. Let's start in Luke 2. We'll read verses 25 through 38. According to Luke's account, according to the chronology of this account, Christ the Lord has already been born. And he is perhaps eight days old. And according to Jewish law, Mosaic law, Mary and Joseph were to bring their child to the temple for an offering. And this is what happened when they got there. Luke 2, 25. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought, it, brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, Simeon took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. Coming up to that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and speak to him, to all, speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. Two ordinary people with extraordinary faith. Let us pray. Father, we ask that you might be with us this morning as we look together into your word. Help us, Lord, to see the common things so that we might be encouraged with our common lives. We might find encouragement from your word in extraordinary ways, that we might be equipped with extraordinary faith and extraordinary hope in the Lord our Savior who has done extraordinary things for us. We pray all of this in the name of our Savior, Jesus. Amen.
There is another passage in Luke's gospel. Most of us are very familiar with it. This is when the angel announced to Mary what was to happen with her. Here was someone who was not very well known. To look at her, she was not someone who lived in royalty. She was not born of any recognizable nobility. But her lineage could be tracked all the way back to King David. She was of the royal line, but because of the devastating history of Israel, she was living in poverty. The angel Gabriel was sent from God to the city in Galilee, called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, Hail, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was troubled at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. And Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the holy offspring shall be called the Son of God. Familiar words. The familiar passage read nearly every year. Someone very ordinary. A young woman. Some people suggest that she was a teenager. But recognized by God with someone with extraordinary faith. And someone who also demonstrated extraordinary hope. Imagine what you might do were you presented with some vision of an angel, presence of a spiritual, glorious being in your room or in your presence. And they would tell you something quite remarkable and unbelievable and impossible. You might think, oh, what did I just eat? I'm never eating pepperonis again. You would, would you doubt? How would you respond? Someone who was very ordinary, of no consequence, and yet she believed the message. Consider also Joseph. She was engaged to be married. It was an arranged marriage. That's about all they did back then. They arranged marriages. Families would negotiate when children were young, that when they were old, old enough to be married, that, that that family lineage was secure. We don't know how long the engagement was, but they were coming of an age where they could be married soon. And Joseph himself, an ordinary man, just a carpenter. 
worked with his hands. Imagine what he must have thought once he found out she was pregnant. Did it go through his mind at all? Was there someone else? He must have thought that. Was he heartbroken? He probably likely was challenged for a while, but in Matthew's gospel we hear that he too had a vision. While he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Just ordinary people with extraordinary faith who demonstrated extraordinary hope. Extraordinary faith is faith that waits for the promise of the Lord. Listen. Extraordinary faith is faith that waits for the promise of the Lord. The angel met Mary, met with Mary, and gave her the message. And for all we know, there was silence after. The angel spoke to Joseph, and even after that, there was silence from the Lord. No special visions, no special messages. To say that life returned to normal, to say that life returned to being ordinary would not be correct. They probably wished it could have been ordinary. They had to prepare a home. They had to prepare for a child. How many people did they tell? What would they have told them? How many people believed them if they did tell them? How much shame or embarrassment did they endure? Just ordinary people with a very special message from God, which they believed in faith through extraordinary hope, what did they endure to receive the blessing of God? We don't see any evidence of Scripture there was any special provision for either one of them. We like to hear, we have a term in the day in the modern church, if God orders it, he's going to pay for it. We've all heard that. Some of us have even claimed it. But we have no evidence that the Lord provided anything special for Mary and Joseph. There were some divine appointments. Very special people who came into their lives, very special moments throughout, Scripture gives us throughout history, checkpoints affirming that this son of Mary and Joseph was truly the son of God, appointed to be Messiah.
in one of these appointments we read about when we began the message this morning. Two people, Simeon and Anna. We don't see much evidence in Scripture that Simeon was a prophet or a priest. He was just at the temple. We assume he had some duty there serving the temple, serving the priest. But we know that he was very devout. devout. We know that he knew Scripture, perhaps even more fine, finely detailed than the priests did. Because through the revelation of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God, Simeon knew. Simeon knew by the Scripture says the Holy Spirit was on this man. An ordinary man, old, wrinkled, perhaps even tired, filled with the Holy Spirit. And the moment he sees this couple coming, it has revealed him. This is the fulfillment of the promise. This is the Son of God. He had an extraordinary hope in the Lord, and he longed to see the promise of Israel. He longed to see what Scripture calls the consolation of Israel. When he saw the Lord, he said, He took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for the revelation of the Gentiles and for the glory of your people Israel. And it tells us that Joseph and Mary were filled with wonder about what this man said. Here was a checkpoint affirming the message, the vision that they both had, the message that this son, this child, was meant for a purpose. We've seen Mary and Joseph, ordinary people, with extraordinary faith, exercising extraordinary hope, and we see Simeon doing the same thing. We see one more. Anna. The Bible describes her as a prophetess, but we don't know that she preached. We don't very, it's not very likely that she did. She probably taught children. But there's something quite remarkable. She had been married in her youth. After seven years, her husband passed away, and she served the temple the rest of her life very elderly now, according to this, this account. And she knew. She was blessed to see the Christ child. Ordinary people. No one would even notice. I'm sure the priests of the temples, oh, Simeon, he's a fanatic. Don't pay any much attention to him. But he was the one who was spirit-filled. He was the one who knew. Anna, she's a sweet woman. She helps us a lot. Pay no attention to her. 
extraordinary people with extraordinary faith, exercising extraordinary hope. According to the Levit Levitical law, Mary was required to make an offering for the birth of a child to all of those who could afford it. In other words, to those who were wealthy enough, those who had enough, they were required to bring a lamb and two turtle doves or two doves. Every time a child was born, that was the sacrificial offering they would bring. For those who lived in poverty, Two, bits, two pigeons and two doves. Guess which one of these two requirements Mary and Joseph fulfilled? Their lives were mark, mark, marked by poverty. They didn't have much. They were poor people. As ordinary as you could get. Couldn't have been more plain. But the Holy Spirit had alerted two faithful servants named Simeon and Anna and they were the ones who affirmed the testimony of one or two witnesses let every matter be established. They were the ones who affirmed outside of the visions they received from the angels that this child was born for a very special reason. God will only respond favorably to the humble and the lowly. He will only respond to the one who recognizes deep need. You don't need to be someone special or someone important. It doesn't matter if you've never achieved anything great. You don't have to be great, a great singer, a great teacher, or a great physician. You don't even have to be a great preacher. Stop trying to be good enough. You never will be good enough. You just need to hope in the Lord. Extraordinary faith, exercising extraordinary hope. If you remember Zacchaeus, a short, dishonest accountant, was changed by the Lord Jesus. And he gave back... Everyone he, he returned money to everyone he had cheated, plus more. You might remember the paralytic brought to Jesus by four people, lowered down through the ceiling of a home. It's plain and it's ordinary, probably wasn't even noticed much because he was sequestered off to the side of the street, out of the way. Wasn't very productive in his life. But he hoped in the Lord. He, he believed what the Lord said. Never stood on his own. The Lord said, rise and get up. I've got to tell you, if I were crippled, and some man came into my home and said, rise and walk, 
I would have to hold back the laughter. But this paralytic obeyed the Lord. The same thing with a woman that's suffering from a hemorrhage, pushed through a crowd in order to just touch the hem of the Lord's garment. Extraordinary faith, exercising extraordinary hope. We need a hope in the Lord. We need a hope in his promise, his hope in his power to save, a hope in his presence. Some of you might be saying, I don't know what that is. If you don't know the Lord as your Savior, you need to trust him and his word. And nearly everyone here has already made that profession of faith, I'm, I'm certain. But when you look at this world around us and the confusion and the illogic decisions that are being made, trying to control the masses, trying to control the crowds, we're probably all wondering what is going on and where is the Lord in all of this? He is there. And you might wonder, well, why doesn't he stop it? This might shock you. He probably doesn't want to. Because with all of the sin and all of the suffering in this world, and not just the sin and the suffering, but the dishonesty, the brutality, the violence, the immorality, the unbelief and how this world and this culture has tolerated all and is pushing to tolerate anything and everything you want to do. God is probably taking it over, taking his restraint away and say, okay, I'm going to let you have it. Indulge. That's what's going on in this world right now. It's happened before in nations. It happened before to Israel. It's happened before in other nations around the world. But perhaps this is the first time we've ever seen it happening worldwide. And we wonder, we wonder, is he still there? He is still there. In 1952, a woman by the name of Florence Chadwick was a swimmer. By 1952, she had already swum, crossed the English Channel twice, sailing a women's record both ways. She went from England to France, and then from another day after rest period, she came from France to England. And in 1952, she attempted to swim from Catalina Island to the California coast, about 26 miles. But on this particular morning, this long distance swimmer began swimming when it was kind of cold and there was a thick fog. The safety boats, the rowboats would go alongside her to keep her safe and to pull her out if she needed. The fog was so quick, so thick, 
just a few feet away, it was hard to see the rowboats. She swam for 15 hours. And then finally said, take me out of the water. I don't think I can make it. And they pulled her out, only to realize she was less than a mile away from shore. She said, I'm not excusing my, myself, but if I could have seen the land, I might have made it. She could not see the shore. She felt there was no hope of reaching land. Make a long story short, two months later she tried again, and the fog was there again. But she told herself, keep picturing the shore in your mind. Keep believing by faith, quote, quote, and she made it in record time. We keep wondering what is going on in this world around us, and we wonder why God does not intervene. He is still there. His chastening hand is at work. His hand of blessing has been withdrawn from this world, and it's become, it's taken up a winnowing fan. Some of you might know what that is. Years ago, when people who harvested wheat would bring in the wheat, they would lay the, the wheat, the cut wheat, on the floor of the, what do they call it, the threshing floor. Thank you. And they would get a big fan that looked like a leaf rake. And they would just pick it up on a windy day and throw it up in the air and that dry wheat would separate as it was lofted up from the chaff, from the shell of the wheat grain, and the heavier grain would fall down, and the chaff, the dry stuff, would just be blown away. Easy way to separate your wheat from chaff. If you look at everything that's going on in that, you can see there's, there's a lot of activity, there's a lot, lot of action, but the good wheat is saved from the harvest, the rest of it is taken away and burned. God is being, it has his winnowing fan in his hand right now and he is chastening the world. He is still there. There is what seems to be a spiritual fog. We, it does not make much sense, we cannot see light, but he is still there. We need to hope in the Lord. We need to be exercising extraordinary love of God, extraordinary hope in the Lord. We need to be exercising extraordinary faith. Most of us, and I don't mean to be unkind, most of us are ordinary people. I've come to know some of you, and some of you are really quite special. But we're not a proud people. We feel that we're ordinary. And God's blessing is upon us. We can rejoice in that. His salvation is with us. We can rejoice in that. Do not doubt him.
Do not doubt the Lord. He is still there. Hope in Him. We're coming into a time where we are celebrating the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. His first advent. His first coming. During His first coming, there was political darkness. There was spiritual darkness. Rome had conquered Israel a couple of centuries before his birth. They had placed their oppressive foot on the neck of Israel and had been in full control of the land. They had taxed the people into poverty. They were brutal in their law of They were brutal as they kept the law in the land. Only a Roman citizen had any right to a good level trial. If you were brought up on charges, if you were a Roman citizen, you could be, you could be tried righteously. If you were not a Roman citizen, you were probably convicted as accused. spiritual darkness in that in that day and we see the same same kind of thing going on now and yet during this advent time we can look forward to the lord's second coming we can look forward to his return When is he coming back? I don't know. Could be soon. I could be walking down the street, putting one foot on the asphalt, and the next foot is going to be on the streets of glory. The Lord could come any minute. Let's hope in that sure promise. Let's trust in his presence with us. He hasn't left his church. He has not left his faithful. He is still with us. And you and I, I've got to be honest, are still quite comfortable. There are others in this world who profess the name of Christ who are suffering for their faith. He has not left them. He is still there. It is eternal life we look forward to, not life in this world. It is eternal grace that we look forward to, not peace and comfort here and now. Hope in the Lord. We've looked at some extraordinary, very ordinary people with extraordinary faith. Simeon and Anna, Mary and Joseph. How is God going to use you in this life? How is he going to fill you with the Spirit? How is he going to prepare you for what he has for you? You have no idea until you submit to him and trust him.
Shall we pray? Father, we are thankful for your word and its truth. We are thankful for your spirit and his presence. We are thankful that you have given us your son, and we pray, Lord, this day that you might help us be faithful. While this world seems to fall apart and violence and oppression and political control seem to threaten us, let us trust in the Lord and find our hope in him and him alone. Lord, should we ever be called of God to stand? Should we ever be chosen to be tested? May we be faithful. May the Spirit give our faith and our hope strength to abide in him, regardless of what might happen. May we never renounce the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus. It is for his glory and in his hope we pray. Amen.